You're listening to Give Me the Bible with Len. Today's program is entitled Die Twice. Hello, my radio friends. It's good that you've joined me today to hear more from God's Word, the Bible. Some of you might like James Bond movies. In a certain way, those movies parallel the story of salvation as presented in the Bible. In Acts 4, verse 12, the Bible teaches that salvation is found in no one else than Jesus. For there is no other name under heaven given among men by which we must be saved. Put simply, this verse says that there is no one on earth apart from Jesus who can save us. James Bond is portrayed as a saviour of the world. Normally he's the only one who ends up preventing some evil-minded person from doing harm to the whole of humanity. In one way, the James Bond movies parallel the great controversy between good and evil, between Christ and Satan. In 1967, the James Bond movie You Only Live Twice was released. What an interesting title. But the Bible intimates the same thing but puts it in opposite terms. It speaks about dying twice. Here, I'll share the relevant passages with you. The first is from Revelation chapter 20, verses 6 and 7. It says, Blessed and holy are those who have part in the first resurrection. The second death has no power over them. And then there's Revelation chapter 20, verse 14, which says, Then death and Hades were thrown into the lake of fire. The lake of fire is the second death. And then there's a third reference in Revelation 21, verses 7 to 9. It says the following, He who overcomes will inherit all this, that means paradise, and I will be his God and he will be my son. But the cowardly, the unbelieving, the vile, the murderers, the sexually immoral, those who practice the magic arts, the idolaters and all liars their place will be in the fiery lake of burning sulphur. This is the second death. Now, if you read these verses carefully, or if you've noticed while I've been speaking, these verses point out a contrast of people. On one hand, there are those who are wicked and do things that are contrary to what God wants. On the other hand, are those who are described as overcomers. 
These are the people the Bible describes elsewhere as the saints, or God's people. If they are overcomers, in what sense have they overcome? Back in Revelation 12 is a graphic description of the great controversy between good and evil. Starting at verse 7, we learn about where sin first began and who began it. Satan, also called the dragon, the devil, and that ancient serpent, is the one where sin first began. He was cast out of heaven and ended up on our beautiful, fresh, straight-from-the-creator's-hands planet Earth. He introduced sin in the earth and has been behind every sin ever since. It is his unholy mission to influence every human being away from God. And he's been very successful, but not entirely. Although most of Earth's population throughout the ages has followed Satan, some have chosen to live God's way. They are described as the saints. These are God's people. Revelation 12.11 explains how they became overcomers. It says they overcame him, that's the devil, by the blood of the Lamb and by the word of their testimony. Simplified, this verse means that God's people avoided being trapped by the devil by putting their trust in what Christ has done for them and by living according to the word of God. Jesus also overcame Satan. If you read Matthew chapter 4, there it's recorded what happened when the devil tempted Christ out in the desert. Each time Satan put one of his sneaky suggestions forward, Jesus replied, It is written, and then went on to quote from the scriptures. It is reiterated how the overcomers, the saints, overcame the evil one in Revelation 14.12. There it says, Here is the patience of the saints. Here are they who keep the commandments of God and have the faith of Jesus. And that's almost a repeat of what I read earlier. They overcame through, firstly, the sacrifice of Christ, and secondly, by keeping and following what God has revealed in his word, the Bible. On the opposite side are those who have been trapped by Satan and his ungodly ways and false teachings. They include the ones who willingly sin and are involved in all kinds of nasty things. I read the list to you earlier in the program. For those people, the wicked, the Bible says they will experience a second death. Associated with the second death, the Bible mentions a lake of fire that is so extreme that nothing can survive it. 
even death and Hades, that's the grave, will be ended because of that fire. I am astounded by the false teaching that is so widespread in various religious groups today that when one dies, their soul or spirit leaves the body and goes to another place. That false teaching says that the mind and body separate. The body supposedly goes to the grave, but depending on whether people have been good or bad, the other part of them goes to heaven or hell. That teaching is so false. It's an invention of the devil and was popularized by pagan Greek philosophers. And that false teaching has crept into the Christian religion. And now there are millions who blindly accept that teaching. So what is the situation? If the wicked go to hell and are tortured forever and ever, how come the Bible, in at least three places, refers to a second death for them? What does that word death mean anyway? It means the cessation of life or the permanent end of something. The teaching about hell being a place of endless torture of the wicked is just not biblical. It is an invention not of God. Worse than that, it's a development of the first lie ever told on this planet, and it was told by the father of lives, lies, the devil. Jesus described Satan as the father of lies in John 8.44. He was speaking to the Jewish leaders, who he had described as hypocrites, and said this to them, You belong to your father the devil, and want to carry out your father's desire. He was a murderer from the beginning, not holding to the truth, for there is no truth in him. When he lies, he speaks his native language, for he is a liar and the father of lies. So what was that first lie uttered on this pristine planet? You have to go back to Genesis 3 to find out. You see, God had placed Adam and Eve in the Garden of Eden, but in there he told them there was only one tree they must not touch or eat fruit from. That was the tree of knowledge of good and evil. He also warned that if they did, they would surely die. Satan came along and said, You shall not surely die. That first lie has perpetuated and infiltrated into many people's beliefs and has been around for centuries. Did Adam and Eve die? Of course they did and sinful mankind has been subject to death ever since. So the belief in an ever-burning hell is just another version of that original lie that when someone dies, they do not die. Now, let's consider the idea of death 
from another angle. As I read to you earlier, the Bible speaks about a second death for the wicked. So if they died and remain alive in hell being tortured for eternity, they're not dead. And if that's the case, why would the Bible speak about these people having to undergo a second death? The Bible does not support the idea that when someone dies, part of them goes on living in another form in another place. Ezekiel 18 verse 4 is very clear on that point. It says, The soul that sinneth, it shall die. That's from the King James Version. And in the New International Version it says, The soul who sins is the one who will die. The same is repeated in verse 20 of that same chapter. In verse 34, God speaks. He says, For I have no pleasure in the death of anyone, declares the Sovereign Lord. Repent and live. Friends, the belief in an ever-burning hell is just not biblical. It is a belief based on tradition and was used in the past to scare people, to make them conform to other traditional beliefs held by the Roman Catholic Church. If there is a second death for the wicked, there must be a second life, right? And if there is a second life, there must be a resurrection. So does that mean God will raise everyone who ever lived on planet Earth to give them a second chance? No, not at all. In Romans 14.11 is a quote from Isaiah 45.23, which is explained in Philippians 2.10. It says this, Therefore God exalted Christ to the highest place, and gave him a name that is above every name, that at the name of Jesus every knee should bow, in heaven and on earth and under the earth, and every tongue confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of the Father. It's obvious that the majority of people who live and who have lived on this planet have not accepted Christ as their Lord, nor have recognised him as such. Yet the verse I read to you is all-inclusive. Everyone will bow before Christ and admit that he indeed is Lord. Although Revelation 20 is a much bigger study in itself, it tells of what happens after Jesus comes back to earth to take with him to heaven those who have accepted his sacrifice to cover their sins and who obey his commandments. The Bible tells of what happens on earth when Satan has no one to tempt because all the unrighteous are dead because of the tremendous upheaval at Christ's coming. And after the break, 
I'm going on to tell you more about this. What a fellowship, what a joy divine Leaning on the everlasting arms What a blessedness, what a peace is mine Leaning on the everlasting arms Leaning, leaning Safe and secure from all alarms Leaning, leaning Leaning on the everlasting arms What have I to dread? What have I to fear? Leaning on the everlasting arms I have blessed peace with my Lord so near Leaning on the everlasting arms Leaning, leaning Safe and secure from all alarms Leaning, leaning Leaning on the everlasting arms So what does happen on earth? after the righteous have been taken to heaven. The Bible tells of a period of a thousand years, and when that's over, then Satan has a new opportunity to continue his work of deception. Revelation 20 verse 7, it says this, When the thousand years are over, Satan will be released from his prison and will go out to deceive the nations in the four corners of the earth, Gog and Magog, to gather them for battle. In number, they are like the sand on the seashore. They marched across the breadth of the earth and surrounded the camp of God's people, the city he loves. In Revelation 21, the prophet John reports about the holy city, the new Jerusalem, coming down to earth. So after the thousand years are over, the holy city comes from heaven down to earth. All the wicked are resurrected, and Satan gathers all those people to go up and attack the city. It's reasonable to assume that all the wicked who will gather around the city at that time will see the glory of Christ and will have to admit to themselves that Christ is Lord. And although their doom is already sealed, they will kneel and acknowledge what they failed to acknowledge during their lifetime. This explains why Paul wrote in Philippians that everyone would bow the knee and every tongue confess that Jesus Christ is Lord. Do you realise, my friends, that every birthday celebration, every time you write the date, or every time you see a calendar, there is evidence of Christ? 
Time is marked by the tremendous event of Christ's birth. Yet most people completely overlook that Jesus coming to planet Earth is the pivotal point of Earth's history. You will no doubt be aware of Christmas and Easter, both of which focus on Jesus Christ. Again, most people on Earth ignore acknowledgement of Jesus as Lord because they've been deceived by Satan's lies. But when they see Jesus in his glory, they will have to acknowledge him as Lord. And as I understand it, all the wicked who will be resurrected after the thousand years are finished will not live a long time. It'll be relatively short. And for the purpose of seeing what they fail to see or what they fail to acknowledge formally, that Christ is Lord. Then comes total annihilation, as recorded in Revelation 20, verses 9 and 10. It says, And fire came down from God out of heaven and devoured them. The devil who deceived them was cast into the lake of fire and brimstone, where the beast and the false prophet are. They will be tormented day and night forever. Now, isn't there a contradiction in these two verses? The first part says that fire came down from heaven and devoured them. That means they were consumed, eaten up, and had no more existence. The last part of these two verses, however, says they'll be tormented day and night forever. Does that mean the doctrine of an ever-burning hell is right? Psalm chapter 92 verse 7 says, The wicked shall be destroyed forever. You see, death is the ultimate penalty for sin. There are two problems regarding that text in Revelation 20.10 where the Bible says that the wicked will be tormented day and night forever. The first problem is that the concept of the wicked being punished in an ever-burning hell does not agree with what other scriptures that say the wicked will be totally destroyed. That includes what we started out with, the second death. If the wicked remain alive in hell, and that continues indefinitely, there can be no second death, as there would be no first death to begin with. The second problem is to do with the expression forever, in relation to the punishment. As one reads this text, it is easy to get the impression that the punishing lasts indefinitely. There are other bi biblical passages that use the forever expression in the same context, that is, of punishment. One is in relation to the burning of Sodom and Gomorrah. Jude, chapter, uh, verse 7 rather, it's only one chapter in Jude, speaks about Sodom and Gomorrah burning forever. 
with eternal fire. But those cities have ceased burning a long time ago. The same with Moab. The burning lasted until everything was consumed. Then the fire died away. The actual case with the wicked is that the punishment, not the punishing, lasts forever. Revelation chapter 20 verses 14 and 15 have this to say. Then death and Hades were cast into the lake of fire. This is the second death. And if anyone not found written in the book of life was cast into the lake of fire. Lake of fire? If Satan is destroyed in the lake of fire, what chance would any human being, or soul for that matter, have any chance of surviving? Satan is a spirit, so if the spirits of humans are in the lake of fire, they'd have no better chance of survival than Satan. Hell, in reality, will be when God finally cleanses the earth with fire, so hot that even the elements shall melt with fervent heat. Both the earth and the works that are in it will be burned up. The second death is for the wicked only. The wicked will be resurrected in order to see what they missed out on. They will see Jesus who came to save them glorified. And then God will pour out eternal punishment on them. It will be eternal in its result, not in the act of punishing. In the book of Second Peter chapter 3 verse 14 is this admonition for people. It says, Therefore, beloved, looking forward to these things, that's the end of the rule of sin, be diligent to be found by God in peace, without spot and blameless. Yes, my friends, there is a day coming when the Lord will destroy the earth with fierce fire and all traces of sin and unforgiven sinners will be destroyed. Forever after, God's people will be able to live in peace. I personally do not wish to die a second death. I want to be one of those who've chosen to serve the Lord and enjoy all the wonderful things that have been prepared for us. And I want to spend eternity with our Lord. And it's my hope that you will make the same choice. So we have to end here. Until next time then, this is Len signing off and wishing you blessings and joy and peace. <laughs> 